everybody. Welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. So let's jump right in here with Oz Guinness. Oz Guinness is a speaker, an author, a writer, and he is one of the great thinkers of our time. His quiet voice for faith, freedom, truth, reason, and civility is its very calming in these crazy times out here, and we could use more of that. And Oz Guinness is the great-great-great-grandson of the Dublin brewer, Arthur Guinness, who, of course, created the great Guinness beer. Uh, but Oz, two things. We only, we only have you for two segments, and these are always so rich when we get to talk with you. So first thing, I'd like to chat with you just a little bit about your book, because we are in such a time right now. And this book that you have written recently, Last Call for Liberty, How America's Genius for Freedom Has Become Its Greatest Threat, what what do you think there? What what are you saying there, Oz? Well, put simply, I'm arguing that many people today, without realizing it, are following views of America and freedom that don't go back to the American Revolution, but actually, without their realizing it, some do realize it, go back to the French Revolution and its heirs. And so we're at a very, very important time because the two revolutions have entirely different views of freedom, and they come out in different places. Okay, so explain that, um, because freedom, we I think we inherently, we believe that that in our heart is a good thing, but two different definitions of freedom. What was the, uh, the French definition of freedom? Because as you mentioned, these revolutions were going on at the same time, but the outcomes were totally different. So what was the French definition of uh, freedom? Well, put very simply... Freedom in the French way is the permission to do what you like. Whereas in the American Revolution way, which is decisively shaped by the Bible through the Reformation, freedom is the power, the capacity to do what you ought. And that's a very different view. In other words, freedom needs a framework. You know, free people, as the founders put it, need truth and virtue and character and so on. Not in the French way. And you can see those differences spell out in very great. For example, the American Revolution is very realistic about human nature. You need checks and balances, separation of powers, because humans go wrong. The French Revolution has always been utopian. Man is born free, everywhere's in chains, as Rousseau says, remove the chains, sexual or whatever it is, and we'll all be happy, free, and fulfilled. And that's never worked out well. So, as you said, removing the chains, uh, we were just talking about, and I know, don't know if you're familiar with it, but Gillette uh, Shaving Cream, they've just done this uh, um, commercial regarding toxic masculinity. And uh, I don't ever remember talks, you know, conversations about toxic masculinity years ago. It's only really been since we started to remove the chains from the 60s and 70s of... of uh, of kind of the sexual revolution that now we have toxic masculinity. So I guess what I'm doing is I'm kind of connecting a dot here that we have, we released the chains on all this. And then what we, we have, what the left is call, calling toxic masculinity. I find that kind of interesting. If there's no rules, then it's astounding what you might get. Well, I knew one of the former chairman of Gillette and I think he would be extremely sad and outraged at what's gone wrong with it, because they're politicizing it in a way that's absolutely foolish, and as you say, going along with basically cultural Marxist ideas, whether it's white domination or toxic masculinity and so on, 
they're politicizing things that should never be politicized. Now, it's important. Think of 2018. It's 50 years on from 1968, a very key event with all these things, when Rudy Deutscher called for a long march through the institutions. In other words, if you want to win, you've got to win cultural hegemony, dominance, in the world of the colleges, universities, the press, the media, the world of entertainment and Hollywood. Well, 50 years later, that long march is largely successful. And many of the ideas, you take the new members who come to Congress, like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, their ideas are nothing to do with the American Revolution and everything to do with ideas that have come from 1789. America's very close to a Rubicon moment, a tipping point. You know, Lincoln's famous saying, as a nation of free people, either will be free for all time or die by suicide. And there are ideas now going rampant in America, which will mean national suicide in terms of a free republic. Uh, what can we do about this, Oz Guinness? Well, take the three main areas where we need to seek leadership. At a time of extraordinary division in the 1850s, you had a Lincoln who addressed the evils such as slavery and the division of the Union in the light of what he called the better angels of the American nature, and he believed in the Declaration. You don't have any Lincoln-like leader today with that sense of history and addressing the evils in the light of the better angels. That's a huge element, the lack of leadership. Then a second area, lower level, is the restoration of civic education. Relatively easy to become an American, but increasingly difficult to know what it is to be American, because the first things of the American experiment have been forgotten. And that used to be taught in the public schools, needs to be restored at the heart of national life. And then the third level, and that's one that touches many of us, is at the level of of faith, a renewal in the churches, because the scandal of the American church, the church in America, you look at all the West, it's the one country where Christians are majority, but uninfluential. And tiny groups, good groups, like, say, our Jewish friends, 2% of America, but they punch above their weight, whereas Christians are a huge majority, but uninfluential, because they're not salty and light-bearing. So we need to see a renewal and revival within the Church itself. You know, but I feel that many of the mainline churches have moved away from from the gospel message of Christianity and have moved into political activism. And uh, so I think that that has been, in a way, a death of many of the mainline churches. And what can we do about that? Well, no, you're exactly right. Um, Think of Paul's letter to the Galatians. Who bewitched you? You're believing another gospel. And I'm saying America politically is believing another revolution. But you're exactly right. Ever since the 18th century, there's been a style of revisionism, in particular in the mainline churches since the 60s, that is another gospel, and it's committing uh, ecclesiastical suicide. The mainline church is shrinking by the year. It's churches that are faithful that are really growing today. So there's a lesson there. We can't go that way. 
Well, and and uh, we certainly can't go that way there. You talk about civic education of our children, and it, we have something very astonishing that is happening out here in Colorado, which I don't know if you watch Colorado at all, but we now have a, a Democrat governor, a Democrat um, uh, Senate, and a De- Democrat House of Representatives. And, Oz, I submit to you that the Democrat Party of today, of Ocasio-Cortez, is not the Democrat Party of JFK. It's something totally different. It's moving radically, radically to the progressive activist left. And so we are using out here, there's proposal, you know, we have public education, and uh, and certainly this public education that, that we have overall, I mean, there's wonderful teachers out there, and there's people doing a great job, but, but there's also an underlying agenda that is breaking my heart. And there has been legislation that has been introduced out here in Colorado, it's, I think it's House Bill 1032, talking about sex education. And in this bill here in Colorado, it says that we can no longer use, it prohibits the use of gender norms uh, and gender stereotypes. So gender norms is he, she, or boy, girl. And that is legislation that is being uh, uh, introduced out here in Colorado, and it very well may pass. And that is so far away from what public education is supposed to be, in my opinion. Why don't you comment on that? Then we're going to go to break and come back and talk some more about this. But what's your comment on that, Oz? Well, Ken, there's no greater example of the influence of 1789 than the sexual revolution. And at the heart of it, if you go back to architects like uh, Wilhelm Reich, who gave it the term sexual revolution, or back to people like Jean-Jacques Rousseau and uh, the Marquis de Sade who are behind it, they are quite clear they have two great obstacles, the church and parents. So you've got to knock out parents. That's why you want sex education at three and four and so on. And that's the perniciousness of this. Now, all those ideas, they're absolutely inimical to the American Revolution. And if they win, that's the end of the American Revolution as we've done it. So we're in the fight of our lives right now, aren't we? We're at a very, I call it the Rubicon moment. You know, when Caesar crossed the Rubicon, that cast the die and shaped Rome's future. And if some of these ideas win, and they're very, very close to it, they won in certain areas like the universities. If they win the culture, that's the end of America as we know it. You know, I'm, a, I, I'm not American. I'm an admirer of this country. America is the longest-running tutorial in the art of political freedom the world's ever seen. And if Americans squander their heritage in one generation, it would be a tragedy of historic proportions. Oh, that's for sure. I feel such a responsibility. Uh, one of the things that uh, one of our other projects is our World War II project, Oz, where I've had the great honor to interview over 100 World War II veterans. And as I think about mm. the Patriots and I think about the, you know, the Civil War and I think about, you know, our soldiers, World War II, I feel such a responsibility to do everything that I can to pass on something good to the next generation because that is the American idea. That is what has made America, I believe, great. This is the Americhicks with Kim Munson. We will be right back with uh, Oz Guinness, uh, just a, a great voice for freedom. We'll be right back. It might seem crazy. 
Hey, welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website, AmeriChicks.com. Sign up for our emails. We'll keep you apprised of all kinds of information. And we are the uh, AmeriChicks on Facebook and Twitter as well. We have on the line with us Oz Guinness. He is an author, speaker, writer, and one of the great thinkers of our time. And his quiet voice for faith, freedom, truth, reason, and civility is such an important voice today. So, Oz Guinness, it is always an honor to get to chat with you. So, uh, again, welcome to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson. Well, thanks, Kim. It's a pleasure to be on with you. Now, we were talking about uh, your book uh, and and liberty and, and how, in essence, there's two different kinds of freedom. There's the freedom of the American Revolution. There's the freedom of the French Revolution. But one of the tenets that I think that is being used a- against the American idea is the freedom of religion. I, and, uh, and we've heard Obama, he was talking about, oh, everybody should have the right to worship or the freedom of conscience. Uh, there's a lot of different terms around this freedom of religion. So could you kind of break that down for our listeners, please? Well, Ken, if you look at American history, it's one of the great distinctives of this country that from the beginning... It had a stress on what they called civil and religious liberty. Whether it was coming to America or fighting the American Revolution, religious freedom was literally, as the famous put it, the first freedom. And right down, I was involved in the Williamsburg Charter in 1988. Then you had the Religious Freedom Restoration Act in 1993. Those were the high watermarks when you had a general American acceptance of religious freedom, even the ACLU signed on to the second of those. But in the last 20 years, there's been a bigger sea change of religious freedom than in the previous 300. And I put it down to a number of what are called dark R's. You mentioned one of them, the reducers. Religious freedom is free exercise. That's Madison's term in the First Amendment. It was reduced by Obama and by Hillary Clinton for a while to freedom of worship. Or a second one was I call the removers. Instead of freedom of religion, it's freedom from religion, closer to the French style of of things again. But the really problematic one is the third, the so-called rebranders. Religious freedom used to be positive and primary. It's now dismissed by certain progressives as a code word for bigotry, discrimination, and hate. And that is absolutely deadly. I could go on. But there's a bigger sea change of religious freedom in 20 years than the entire 300-plus years earlier. And that is absolutely disastrous. Again, not just for America, although it's a huge change. It's disastrous for the world. Well, it is. And I think the founders, they realized that government should not be used to push an idea ideology, if you will, to to force an ideology, to use public funds for a particular ideology or religion. And I have looked up religion, the definition, and it is a set of beliefs. Now, when I have made this case for this, for example, I believe that the climate change has become a religion to some individuals, a belief system. I believe that the LGBTQ activist movement has become a religion. And when I talk about, you know, these big pictures, as a Christian on an individual level, I believe that every individual is treasured and valued and precious. 
Um, but what I'm talking about is this ideology, in, and you can insert whatever, but there are these belief systems that now have been using, I think, government to put forward their belief system. And uh, that is what I think the founders thought was so dangerous. So many of us have thought it was Christianity that, that they were saying freedom of religion. Or, or, but I think that, that they were concerned about using government to push forward ideologies. And then if you don't affirm those ideologies, they use government to take away your property or to, to quiet your voice. Your thought. No, Jim, I agree. Uh, Kim, I agree with you. And you, Europe uses the word belief or ultimate beliefs instead of religion, because you can have naturalistic or secularistic ultimate beliefs. And the trouble with the so-called naked public square, as Richard Newhouse called it, the strict, strict, strict separationists, is they not only ban obvious religion from public life, they smuggle secularism and its various ideologies through the back door. And you've described that extremely well. But the overall movement you began with, you know, 19th century liberalism, classical liberalism, was the protection of the freedom of the individual against government. Whereas in the 60s, that shifted and became illiberal because liberalism today, which is really progressivism, that's not very liberal, is using the government to promote various ideas of private interests and push them a very, very different view of freedom. And it's absolutely disastrous, once again, to the American Revolution. Well, we've had an example out here in Colorado. Uh, Jack Phillips with Masterpiece Cake Shop is is a Christian. And uh, a a gay couple came in and uh, asked him to... case well. Okay, to make a cake for, uh, in celebration of, or for for their gay wedding, or um, in celebration of their, their gay wedding. And interestingly enough, first of all, Oz, is this request was made before Colorado had legalized gay marriage. So this all occurred before that. Uh, but anyway, uh, Jack politely said, you know, that I, I believe that marriage is between a, a man and a woman, and I can't do that. Uh, and and it, I believe it was a setup. They immediately um, ran to the Colorado Civil Rights Commission, who came in and said to Jack, if you do not affirm our belief, if you do not affirm, in, in this case I'm going to use the word religion, if you do not affirm this, then we are basically going to say, you can't do your business anymore, which is an assault on property rights. And so Jack said, I can't. And he lost 40% of his business because he no longer did wedding cakes. And I know that there's been many that have talked about this in the Supreme Court case, the freedom of religion. Uh, but I also think it's a property rights issue. It is, it's wrong that government comes in and says, if you do not affirm, fill in whatever the blank is, we're going to take your business. Again, I think the founders understood the great danger in that, Oz. Well, you know, you're again exactly right. And, of course, when Jack won in the Supreme Court that very day, they came with another test case. You know, but if you go back to Rousseau, he had the effrontery to talk about people following the general will and therefore being, quote, forced to be free. And you can see today, take one of the New Mexico Supreme Court decisions, that that coercion was, quote, the price of citizenship. You know, once again, we're in a very, very dangerous, highly liberal moment, and anyone who loves freedom, Christian or atheist, needs to stand against these things, recognize what's happening, and be resolute, because there are two different views of freedom, and one of them, in France, led to the reign of terror, 
disastrous in Russia, disastrous in China, and it will be disastrous in the United States too. So we haven't got long, but people's eyes need to be open. Well, and that's what we do every Monday through Friday on our show. Oz, we only have just about a minute. What is the final thought that you would like to leave with our listeners, Oz Guinness? Well, we really are approaching, I said earlier, the Rubicon moment, a tipping point. And people better wake up, think, pray, analyze. You know, Max Dupree's famous line, the first responsibility of a leader is to define reality. It's no use saying make America great again if we don't say what made America great in the first place. And that's the missing thing today. People concerned with the first principles of the American experiment. Well, to that point, Oz, one of the things that we are doing, we are partnering with Dr. Tom Cranawitter with Speakeasy Ideas. He is a, a real expert on America's founding, the Federalist Papers, and Lincoln. And we are starting something called Vino and Veritas, where we are going to go through the Federalist Papers uh, and starting on January 28th. And I, I take great heart in this because it is already sold out. We are really excited about it, Oz. Wonderful. Okay, Oz Guinness, it is always such an honor to have a conversation with you. God bless you, and thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Okay, Steve, it is always great to talk with Oz Guinness. He is such a great thinker, and I always love that British accent as well. So uh, we are at the end of the show. It's been a great show. Thank you to all of you, our listeners, and I love hearing from you. So many of you are emailing me at kimandamerichicks.com. So let me know what you like, and certainly let me know if there's things that you uh, want us to talk about or things to approve upon. But our quote for today is from George Washington in his first inaugural address in 1789 regarding the laws of nature. He said, the propitious smiles of heaven can never be expected on a nation that disregards the eternal rules of order and right, which heaven itself has ordained. This is the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson. We'll be back tomorrow. And I don't want no one to cry, but tell them if I don't say.